Hello and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Today I'm with Chris Gibb. Every time I want to say Chris Gibbs for some weird reason, I'm not sure why, but Chris Gibb. He is the author of a very interesting and could be quite useful for myself at least. I'm sure useful for other people. That's why you're creating it. Uh, SDK called Hydro SDK, which uh, the main feature of it that I could see is that you can do code push. So everybody knows that with Flutter, when you compile your app, that's it. There's no way to dynamically update it once it's been released. And with this, it seems to be that you can actually code push, which is actually one of the better things about React Native and some other solutions out there. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Awesome. Thanks, Alan. Uh, so my, na my name's Chris. This voice is Chris for audio listeners. Um, yeah, so I guess I've been doing this Hydro thing for quite long enough that people like Alan want to talk to me. <laughs> it's kind of kind of surreal to kind of be to this point in terms of uh, uh, well-knownness, I guess. Um, yeah, the, the, core, the core idea and the, the driving force behind the project really is just lowering the barrier to entry um, for, for users of Flutter. Uh, you know, Flut I mean, Flutter is fantastic as an API surface uh, you know, looking at comparing it to the web, comparing it to you know CSS in particular, I, I find uh, I feel that the primitives that Flutter gives you, the composability of the widget system, is a you know far nicer abstraction to to work against. Uh, you know, development experience obviously has set the standard uh, in terms of what a good uh, client side development experience looks like. You know, hot reload, etc., things of that nature. However, you know, Flutter is still very much married to the uh, platform packaging and distribution models for the platforms that it supports. So in particular, I'm very focused on, uh, on Android and, and iOS and mobile in general. Uh, and you know, we all know, I mean, I imagine if you're a listener to Flying Out with Flutter or really any other Flutter podcast, you probably have shipped an app. Uh, you understand the pain that is involved in not only shipping a mobile release but also operating it uh, and then you know particularly operating at scale becomes an issue with observability and analytics and, and things of that nature so the, the idea behind hydro is to lower barrier, barrier to entry and i i hope to to do that in two ways so the the first and the, the primary driver is uh language so you know as much as i just sung flutter's praises um, I feel that at least to the the individuals and the groups that, that I speak to personally, uh, Dart is an impediment to adoption, purely for human reasons. You know, technical reasons are technical problems are easy, and human people's are the hard ones. So, if you imagine you are uh, a organization of arbitrary size, and you have some number of developers who are familiar with JavaScript and might be familiar with the web. Um, the value proposition of something like React Native over Flutter is probably more interesting to you uh, due solely to the previous experience of, of your developers. Um, they can take their JavaScript knowledge, you can take, they can take their React knowledge and leverage it to, to then ship uh, mobile experiences with React Native, whereas uh, Dart is an immediate barrier to that, to, to getting to Flutter. So uh, the, the first way I, I aim to really try to lower that barrier to entry is through language. So if, if I can present uh, at least a programming language that is familiar uh, to, to individuals outside the, the Flutter ecosystem. So in, in this case, initially, at least a TypeScript, 
Um, even if the API surface and the, the programming model exposed by Flutter is is unfamiliar, you know, the language at least is familiar. So there's one reason not to come to Flutter. You know, that's kind of removed from from that calculus. Uh, the second area, which has seen far less investment <laughs> from myself personally in, in Hydro outside of a an MVP uh, that shipped shipped last summer, uh, is Code Push. So talk about you know how uh, the the pain involved in deploying uh, a mobile a, deploying a mobile experience and then operating it. Uh, I hope to to lower that barrier and to make that easier uh, through through Code Push. But my primary focus is on language. Yeah, that's interesting. Like most people, when I talk to them uh, about Flutter, they seem to be happy that it's not JavaScript. And TypeScript is kind of a weird language where it's like you get a mixture and I don't really know what to think. It's either people love it or people hate it. But I think the general consensus is that it's better than plain JavaScript because you have the types. Yeah, there's a bit of a religious war. I recognize that. A bit of a religious question to, to, to talk about. Uh, in a, a quite a lot of communities, but you know, everyone has their own biases. Like personally, like my bias, like my I first started programming with like C plus plus ninety eight. Like I self taught C plus plus ninety eight when I was relatively young. Um, so you know, my bias has always been toward strict strict typing. Um, you know, if you can't explain this to the compiler, then you know you're you're wrong <laughs> as a programmer. That's kind of always been my bias. So you know, when I speak to people that are very, very bought into the, the you know, kind of idiomatic, dynamic language way of doing things, whether that be JavaScript or Python or, or Ruby or what have you. I, ju I just don't emphasize with that experience. That's my own bias, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, so but why not just stick with, you know, React Native and these other tools if it seems like an easier entry to bury? Why, why to try to create this Hydro SDK to solve this issue? Per personally, I think Flutter, from a technical standpoint, does everything right, up to and including Dart. I think everything is fantastic. Uh, I mean, there's rough edges, uh, as with any anything. You know, nothing is 100% perfect. But if you consider that Flutter is more than a UI toolkit, right? Flutter is a UI toolkit at, at its most uh, kind of the pointy end of the iceberg, if you will. That's the surface area that uh, developers interact with. Uh, but Flutter is not only a UI toolkit, it is a rendering abstraction, it is a input abstraction, it is a windowing abstraction, it is a build system abstraction, it is a packaging abstraction, right? It is, there is a gigantic amount of stuff that Flutter, I'm gonna, I'm, I know I'm kind of biased toward audio, but I'm waving my hands here. It's a gigantic amount of stuff that Flutter, the application development, or well, SDK, Flutter, the software development kit does for you. Uh, that is absolutely fantastic, I believe. Um, however, again, you know, considering I'm interested in the human problem here, and the human problem is that, unfortunately, Dart is an impediment to adoption for quite a lot of folks. That's really interesting. Uh, my own, I mean, I don't have solid numbers, but in my own kind of seeing, I feel like there's more people who just wrap their mind around Dart better. And I'm talking about newcomers, right? Because JavaScript, I mean, have you seen the wet man before? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and my, my understanding is that the Dart team has run user experience studies in the past where, where they have said, I mean, don't quote me on this. This is kind of like fifth hand, a fifth hand quote at this point. Um, my understanding is they've ran a, uh, studies where participants 
weren't told what they were writing in uh and they 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 never it never occurred to them that they were it was something called dart like it's just so familiar uh it's designed to be as familiar as possible i i kind of liken it if someone had to ask me to explain dart i, I would i would say it's java with nullable primitives and null safety like basically you know it's nominally typed um you know there's no no reflection i suppose if you were to compare to java but the the Coles notes in my mind is is it's Java with nullable primitives and uh, null safety and no reflection. Like it, it's pretty familiar. Yeah. the The interesting part about about that is that um, I think this comes from the history of uh, for, I always forget his first name, but uh, sorry, Casper Lund and his partner who actually created. So they worked on V eight and. Um, they before that they were working on hotspot with java right so i think that a lot of the ideas came from java i mean they're working on hotspot for like a while i'm pretty sure over five years maybe even 10 years they're working on this stuff right so if you're working in the same language for years i don't think this is i i don't know when other languages popped up on a jvm right but i wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't any j other other jvm language at the time when they're working with hotspot but I think that's what really influenced them because, like I said, if you're working with the same language all the time, then it's like, why would you use something else? And the fact that Java is pretty much taught in every single school and, you know, it is also part of Android, right? So there's a lot of that. Yeah. I think that kind of pushed them to make Dart like that. So I think that's part of the reason. But I think, yeah, like you said, it, it, there's a lot of intuitiveness to it, but there's also a lot of weirdness to it, like, um, the implements where you can say implements another class, but you don't actually implement anything. If I remember correctly, like if I'm making a mock class, I could just write implements and, it, and then you can, it, there's like, there's no optic inheritance, right? As far as I could see. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. There is. What was it I'm thinking about that? There's nothing of, there's no interface. That's what I'm on to say. There's no interface necessarily. Like you could say you can make an interface. I, unless, unless I missed something, I tried looking for interfaces, but I couldn't find anything. You can only say implements in the name of another class. Yeah. And Dart. Am, am I wrong or? Yeah, I mean, every, every, every class has an implicit interface, right? So when you implement a class, you, you describe, you know, hey, this, this class I'm writing implements this interface. So you know, every class has an implicit interface. Mixons have implicit interfaces. So they, they do exist. Um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what you're... Well, well, I mean, there's no, there's no way for you to say, okay, this is just an interface and you have to implement this interface and then you can program oh, that this thing saying. takes yeah. this interface. That's what I mean. Like when I say, if you, if you say it like that, okay, fine, then you can say it like that. But to me, an interface, that means that I can actually create a file with just an interface in it, implement the interface. And then I can also say that, okay, these functions will take this interface, which is not actually in class. Like yeah, observable, these kind of bubbles, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. You made me feel like I was like missing something. Like I, I feel oh, like I, I missed the method. Like what? Really? There is interfaces. How come I can never find it? No, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah every it's implicit. Yeah, so that's a little bit clunky to try to be explicit with it. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. I, I personally, I like to you know if I intend to class my interface, I'll just say you know abstract class blah blah blah. I'll, I'll give it some give it some fields, but then you know you have to you have to have a constructor for those fields because Dart doesn't understand it's an interface and it's always possible someone might extend you. So you have to provide a concrete constructor if you have fields, uh, particularly final fields in that class. I mean, you can get away with getters. You could describe a whole bunch of getters and then just hope that your uh, subclasses make those make those like you know, fields. Um, yeah, I don't. Know, it is a little bit clunky, but 
it's there. Okay, I never really thought about that part, but that that would make some sense. But yeah, I, I did wish that there was interfaces, but I'm also okay with what we have right now. I mean, I never really said, oh, I wish I had like an interface or something. It's, I've never really thought about something like that. To me, it's like I always just use the thing that they asked for. I never I said I really want to extend that and make something special. But the other thing that's really interesting and kind of weird too about Dart is like, they do have this thing called extensions, which to me feels like Ruby. And I worry that, <laughs> you know, people will start extending and creating super crazy things where like, you, you've played with Ruby before, right? Uh, no, I've played with Ruby in anger. I have never sat down and been like, yes, I would like to write some Ruby. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the big thing that people really dislike about Ruby is that they call it like opening a class and then like you could just do anything you want because you could just override methods that are already there and then you don't know what's going on. And the crazy part is that when you do that, um, you could just, uh, so they have, so they're called gems in the libraries. So if you gem install something and that gets loaded up, that could totally rewrite a class to do something that is totally unexpected and you don't know where it's coming from but usually you don't have this issue I, I think i think dart did extensions exactly right like i don't think they suffer from any of the issues you're describing i remember when extensions first shipped in dart i was having a discussion with a coworker who started using them all over the place like right after they shipped to stable or well stable in, in flutter at least when that version of the dart is rolled into stable flutter um, I remember talking about it and one of my team members pulled up some extensions and I was reviewing their code and I was like, you need to get rid of this. Like this, this, this smells like Moo tools to me, like from JavaScript back in the day, this smells like Moo tools. This smells like, uh, you know, ridiculous monkey patching from like Angular JS one. This just smells bad to me. Please stop. I don't want extensions <laughs> in the, in this product. Now, after a couple years later and you know, like personally, like I use extensions all the time because I've come to understand that, you know, extensions don't, not only do they not have a runtime impact, they basically don't have, I mean, a runtime impact on like the shape of the class. They basically don't have a compile time impact on the shape of the class either. Um, they're, they're just syntactic sugar for statics, right? When you describe like, if you describe an extension on string, that's like, I don't know, like had write, let's say just for argument's sake. If you have, you know, extension pad write on string and you have a method called pad write, all that is is a static method that takes as its first, as a, its first parameter a, a string <laughs> and then you're, there's, your, there's your method. So, at, at, you know, when you're writing that code, it looks like a method call, right, where, you know, the receiver is a string and you call pad write. However, you know, if that, if that extension isn't in scope, if it's not public in the public or in the this could be library private, but if it's not in the scope of where you're calling it, it's a compile time error, right? And that's because, again, it's just a static method. It has the syntactical sugar to look like a regular method, but it's not. They also don't participate in uh, in like like type resolution in any way. So if you have an in interface that says like, you know, this, you know, you have an interface that's like I pad writable and you have a pad write method, and then you try to pass a string to it using your pad write extension that won't compile because, it, again, it's a static method in reality. It's not an instance method. You're not actually modifying the class in any way. But at the same time, you also think that Dart is a, is a problem for people. It's an impedance. I feel like you, it's you a love human it so problem. <laughs> it is not a technical problem. Dart, Dart is a beautiful language. Like I, I've written Dart every single day for like three or so years now. I think it's a beautiful language. Uh, you know, with Hy Hydro is is a, is about human problems. It's not about technical problems. 
I talk trash about Dart on Twitter because I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a love-hate relationship. Less hate, less hate than love. I think, like I said, I think I write Dart every day. I kind of see the rough edges and it's fun to talk about on Twitter, but it's beautiful language. Well, speaking of that, what are you actually doing uh, with as your, your daily job? Yeah, so, so right now, uh, you know, Hydro is not my... Uh, yeah, I don't make any income from Hydro. Uh, I do have a nine to five. Uh, so right now I work for a company called Varascent. I'm a, a front end engineer uh, for, for Varascent. You're doing Dart for front end? No, so uh, we're doing TypeScript. Uh, I'm doing uh, TypeScript and uh, React in this role. Okay, so you, you still have, so you never, you never really want, I mean, you can use Dart, right? And then just transpile it over to JavaScript. You never thought about doing that? Can I came onto this team, uh, so I've come onto the uh, growth products division uh, of, of of this this particular team I'm on is in the growth products division. So they were relatively well established before me. They had I don't know 100 and they had quite quite a lot of, of TypeScript before me. So you know, there's a no no reason to to look for a rewrite or a refactor or an addition even in Dart. You never thought to to ask people to take a look at Dart and figure and and you know try try using it because I don't know I, I I'd rather write in Dart and export JavaScript and write JavaScript directly. Yeah, I mean, like personally, I feel the same way. Like I, I've spent quite a few years like before my before I even knew Flutter existed writing TypeScript uh, every day for money. So I was pretty bought into the whole you know structural typing is fantastic and everyone else is wrong and you know, um, the web is everything and the web is the future. Like I believed that for, for quite a long time. I was very bought into those ideas, but I kind of feel like I've kind of come full circle in the sense that I feel like a nominal, and particularly a nominal reified type system like Dart is like, you know, a thousand times better than something like TypeScript, which, you know, is structural. It's erased. Um, I feel like Dart is a thousand times better in terms of developer productivity and ergonomics. Even without Hot Reload, you know, even if Dart did not have Hot Reload with, with Flutter, I still feel like Type System uh, is way more productive than, than TypeScript. Um, so for those reasons, I feel like it's a good sell. But in general, like I said, it's human problems, right? So, you know, people have JavaScript backgrounds. The jump to TypeScript isn't that big. Um, and, and likewise, what, you know, once you start to, to build, uh, you know, quite a lot of code organizationally, you build expertise, you build just a volume of code, a corpus of code that's already in TypeScript, trying to introduce new language is a non-starter. I would say in general, I wouldn't wait for audio listeners. I'm waving my hands again. <laughs> I'm saying in general, that's a non-starter. Yeah, yeah. so for everybody who's just listening to audio, we had a discussion about, um, I, I asked Chris if he was planning to demo something and he didn't even think about that because we never really talked about it. I just thought, oh, this would be a great opportunity to actually see how this thing works in, in, in person. And uh, I think you, you completely forgot that there actually is a video part to this. <laughs> So yes. that's okay. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I mean, it's. I'd love to come back. <laughs> Maybe if you if you don't hate me by the end of this, I'd love to come back. We can do some uh, do some demos for you. Um, but yeah, in terms of the audio side, I'll I can talk about this thing all day, up and down the stack, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, no, I, I would. I'm totally fine with you coming back, even as soon as you like. As you can see, we we, we were also talking about like which episodes that you liked. You liked the one with Matt Curl on here, and Matt Curl came on <laughs> twice. I also really really interested in what Matt Curl has to say. He's got. Different opinions, but also his background in, in Flutter being on the Flutter team is also gives some interesting feedback. You know, like as much as I love Flutter and Dart, I sadly 
it's really weird. Like my career is kind of like a roller coaster where it's like sometimes I'm working on Flutter only and then sometimes I'm working on like Elixir only. And I just keep going back and forth between the two. So recently I'm doing Elixir only. Um, and I have somebody on my team who's doing all the Flutter work for right now. So I'm just kind of providing guidance at the moment and uh, using this podcast to kind of stay, stay in uh, tune with what's going on in the community. If I don't, then, you know, I really have no idea what's going on. Fair enough. Fair enough. What I want to say, actually, so a couple of things that triggered a couple of thoughts in my mind is um, hot code reload within Dart. The weird part about that with Dart is that there, it's not actually straightforward. Like recently, I was taking a look at, um, so we have a, a Python service for a client of ours that generates PDFs. And I talked to Matt Carroll, and he was thinking that, you know, he told me that I should take, take, take a look at um, the PDF library within Dart. And that's something I'm seriously taking a look at. Like I, I've, I'm not I've, heard, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I've heard tons of good things about yeah. it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So if you're using Flutter to, to make your apps, the PDF library is really similar, very similar. And so I uh, originally thinking about using uh, Rust for it because the thing is like, it takes like, I don't know, seven to 10 seconds or so to create one PDF right now. And I think it's because of the massive amount of serialization going between C and Python or something like that. And um, so I was thinking about rewriting it with Rust. And then uh, Matt Carroll said, why don't I take a look at the PDF library in Dart? And I just played for a few minutes with it. And I was like, actually, this is super simple. And what I like about it is that it's very visual, I would say. Because like, when you look at Flutter, right, you can look at the code and you can imagine what it looks like. And it's going to be pretty close. Yeah. Right. The same thing with the PDF library. Like you can say, okay, this, because you can say center and it actually centers it in the, in the middle of the page in PDF. I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Like, I don't know, every single time, like I think my only, I done the most of my PDF work is probably with W, well, WebKit HTML PDF. That was pretty straightforward. So if you make an HTML page, you can stick it to this binary and it pulls out a PDF for you. So I was thinking about doing something like that. But, but yeah, anyways, in the end, like I'm thinking about doing that because basically anything is faster than this Python implementation that we have right now. Um, that's my opinion, at least, uh, for the, for the moment. And, um, yeah, so like, and sorry, so the reason that I'm talking about this is because I wanted to try to develop using shelf because we have an HTTP interface because we have different, we have a bunch of microservices, right? So we have most of it's in Elixir and, uh, because of high scalability, because we're going to be, we're planning on having a lot of people connecting to the APIs, the PDF generation, I think within Elixir is not very mature, not very nice. I, I really didn't look too much solid at it yet, but. Anyways, whenever I found something that's about, and I could take a look to see what we can do with it. And like I said, looking at Rust because that's something else we're playing around with these days. But then, uh, yeah, like I said, the PDF one, um, I forgot where I could go. Okay, so anyways, so I started playing around with it. I feel <laughs> like I'm going on way tangent. Sorry about that. So all right, back, to, back on topic. Here's where we are. I, the way a Dart project works is that you can say Dart run, and that's just going to run it and not really compile it. And so it's still running on a VM as far as I can, as I understand. You're, you're squinting like, like I'm saying something wrong. Am I saying something wrong or no, is this early for you? <laughs> I, think, I think you're on track. Okay. So what I understand is if you say Dart run, it's not going to compile it. When you say, when you say like Dart compile the XE, it's not going to compile it to a, to a native binary. But what I found was that when I saved the files and tried to rerun execution of an endpoint, it didn't change anything. I had to actually control C and then restart it, which I was a little bit surprised. And doing some researching, Dart itself, like, um, there, it's not built in, like, it's not straightforward how you actually do the hot code reloading. That's what I want to say. 
Yeah. So you actually have to start it with a dash dash VM something, some kind of dash dash VM argument. And then I think you still have to do some more configuration to actually like tell it to reload code. But Flutter does all the stuff for you like behind the scenes. So you really yeah. don't know this part. Yeah. So Dart has this capability. But the problem is that there's actually some some ceremony to make it actually happen. So on pub.dev, you're going to find a bunch of libraries that actually do do the hot code reloading. And there also is some ceremony to this because it's like, well, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to reload these isolates or not? And there's like some things that yeah. you need to also do too. Yeah, it's not clear to me. I mean, you, I, think you've, I think you've dug in this a little bit more than I have. It sounds like it, it's not clear to me uh, where that boundary is in terms of like, you know, where, where is that? Kind of where's that interface to to get hot you know hot reload working uh, in Dart? My understanding is that a lot of it is within the you know Dart VM, and, but in terms of that interface, right? Like, how do you like do you connect to the like VM debugger protocol? Like, do you like are is the external tool responsible for pushing updated like function bodies into the VM? Uh, you know who who's watching files? Who is connecting to the protocol and pushing function bodies? Uh, is it the Flutter debug protocol that's pushing function bodies over that pipe and then into the running vm on the uh on the on the device like like where is the, where does that happen who is responsible for that i have no idea so in you know in terms of like you know dart run like i don't i don't know where that interface is at all i know flutter does it obviously but from a vanilla dart project i have absolutely no idea that's why i wish so what i understand now and i think i talked to this with somebody from google i can't remember now Dart is basically glued himself to Flutter, and you can you can argue it two ways, right? You can say that's good, or you can say that's bad, because now every time there's a new Dart release, or vice versa with Flutter, they're both going to get a release, and it's kind of good because you need to have what I call like the Rails effect. Well, I, I, just, I literally just made it up right now, by the way. <laughs> so. Whatever you want to call it, right? Like with Ruby, Ruby never really became popular, in my opinion, until Rails came out. And because of Rails, that's what's been pushing Ruby along for the most part. That's my understanding. And you can, you know, you can say I'm wrong. You can say I'm not wrong. It's whatever. That's the way I see it. That without Rails, Ruby would not be as popular as it is today. Not saying that you can't use Ruby without it. I mean, you have Chef, you have Puppet. These things are actually built in Ruby, not built in Rails or built in Ruby, right? But, but anyways, Dart, I think, is in the same situation, right? They tried for a long time Angular Dart and all these other things. Didn't really work out. Flutter is what's keeping Dart around. And I think the sad part is that for Dart really to survive, and without, I mean, for, part really, for Dart really to survive past Flutter, I think you're going to have to decouple a bit and make the language just a little bit more uh, independent, right? You can still install Dart by itself. But like, there's a lot of things that Flutter extends onto Dart, like this automatic, like as soon as I save a file, it's automatically going to be re- reloaded. Why can't we have this when we just run Dart, Dart run automatically? I can't see a good reason why I wouldn't want to do that. I think it should be, you run Dart run, everything gets reloaded as soon as you save the file. Maybe we need to yeah. figure out like what kind of seance you need to make, to, to, you know what I mean? But it should be like, there should be some kind of standard that you have hot code reloading, and then you just have to configure it from there. That's my opinion. I don't know what you think, but th- that's what I think would really help. I, I think I think hot code reload is only relevant for long running, like persistent applications uh, during develop during development time. So consider you know 
you're debugging your mobile app. Well, it's going to be running while you debug it. So, you know, Hot Reload is obviously like magic in terms of productivity in that experience. Uh, likewise, like to your experience with Shelf, I've never used Shelf, but you know, I understand Shelf is a, a server framework for Dart. I think that's also a fantastic use case, right? You're you're going to spin up your server, you're going to hit endpoints, you're going to you know whatever with it. It's going to be running while you're iterating on it. Like that's another like perfect use case in my mind for uh, for Hot Code Reload. Where I think it falls down is in like CLIs. And if you're writing, you know, Dart CLIs that you you call it and does some stuff and maybe it writes a file, right? That's you know it's kind of not useful in that case. But for the two cases that you know we've just talked about, mobile and and server frameworks, I think it's perfect. And I agree with you that you know providing some very clear guidance on like, you know, Dart run, maybe, you know, maybe it's like Dart run dash dash, you know, whatever, like, there you go. Um, now, I mean, that being said, there's some more complexity that would have to happen there in terms of file watching and things of that nature. Cause you know, Flutter is, I don't fully understand the file watching implementation in Flutter, but it's magic um, <laughs> as far as I can tell. And, you know, working on uh, Flutter, working with, working inside of, you flutter mono repositories with upwards of a half a million lines of code. Um, you know, you touch one file that's somewhere deep in your dependency graph and like it just kind of works. Like everything just kind of works pretty not quite instantaneously, but at that scale. But you know, it works without configuration, it works without, you know, like crashing. You don't run out of file. You don't ever like I personally have never like ran out of file descriptors on Mac, like just trying to flutter run. Like it just kind of works without ceremony and like without gotchas in my mind, except for the ones that are documented and those are reasonable in, in my mind. So yeah, how do you bring that experience to Dart? I don't know, <laughs> but I, I agree that they should. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, it's just not clear. Like I did see that I think they recently, within the end of last year, I was just kind of doing some checking recently because I'm, I'm interested, like I said, I, I have never done Shelf until recently started look, looking at it. And actually the other thing too is that um, like there is this library called ServerPod. Have you seen that before? Uh, so ServerPod is uh, sorry to push you to answer while you're drinking <laughs> your cup. I was trying to cover for you for a second. It's all good. Uh, yeah. So so ServerPod. I, I talked to it. So Victor. I talked to Victor recently, and I asked him if he's using Shelf. And I tried looking through it, and, and it's not. And that's because Dart IO already has a perfect web implementation built into the framework, right? So there's no real need to actually use Shelf, but you can. I think they provide some niceties on top. But like, okay, well, what do you want Dart to be? Like, if besides Flutter, right? What else do you want Dart to be? Is it that it is? Is it that like the main focus of Dart is back to where it used to be, which was a way to make like kind of like a better JavaScripty kind of experience? Or do you want to stick to CLIs like we have with the with sassy CSS? Or you know what? Like, you need to have some kind of focus, right? And I think that we should be taking a look at long-running processes. Why not? You know, and if it's short, yeah. like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I feel like there's something there, and let's not let's not make them so so coupled, right? Because if Flutter ever gets dropped for whatever reason someday, yeah, I mean that I I don't think it will be, but you know, let's try to expand it. I think it could be more interesting for the community itself. Yeah, I mean, I I struggle to reply intelligently to that line of thinking honestly because i don't understand i don't understand what kind of cost benefit or any kind of like your trade-off analysis that google does to determine where to invest whether into flutter or into dart uh, decoupled from flutter 
Uh, I don't understand. I don't understand any of that process. So, you know, I struggle to have an opinion either way. Uh, as someone who writes art every day and, you know, enjoys it quite a lot, I would love to see it be more uh, popular just in general. Like for that reason, I bought into this idea. But in terms of a like, you know, where should Google put their time and energy and money? I, I have no idea. <laughs> no idea what's best. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, don't, I don't really know what's important for them, but I think that, how do I say this? Based on what I've seen Google doing, which is like, okay, we're not going to be pushing out, like, I think they made an announcement that they're not going to be pushing out their Angular Dart updates. Doesn't mean they're not using it. They're just not going to focus on like the community more because it's just not growing. Yeah. Or it could be getting smaller. I don't know. And yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Sticking out there. I'm not sure about their growth, like their open source growth numbers in terms of their users, but I can imagine, again, from a cost kind of cost benefit analysis, I can imagine um, that you know change management of their internal customers for Angular Dart in you know, in Google three and within their modern repository is way cheaper and easier in terms of their time and effort uh, than it is to roll out a breaking change or any kind of any change really uh, into the open source users. Uh, so purely from that perspective, regardless of their adoption, like I, I can understand that. I would under, I can understand that a lot. Yeah, but now now we're doing enough on a tangent. We came here to talk about Hydrus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I should really bring us back. Uh, okay, I, I, how does this thing actually work? Like you, you said that you can go into to to deep technical Dart. Like how how do they actually talk to each other, right? Because Dart is compiling to native code. You said there's no bridge, but we're using TypeScript and there's NPM. So like to me, it's like two different things. So what, what's going on? Yeah. So the the secret sauce is it is written in Dart all the way down. I'm I'm waving I'm waving my hands again for audio listeners. There's a big asterisk there when I say Dart all the way down, but uh, generally speaking, it is Dart all the way down. So there's no uh, there's no native bridge, right? So if you consider the execution model of something like uh, React Native, not to you know punch them too much, but you know no no disrespect. But you consider the execution model. You know you you have a bunch of JavaScript. Uh, it is executing in some environment that is you know fully separate. Uh, you know in terms of memory model, in terms of execution context from you know the UI that you're actually orchestrating, and that communication is done over a bridge. So I understand the React Native folks are rolling out some kind of new architecture, but regardless, like that's a pretty big technical barrier. Uh, you know that that kind of transition from from JavaScript into uh, into you know, native UI components that you're you're orchestrating. Um, I like to describe the architecture of Hydro SDK as highly similar to React Native with something like Hermes. Um, so what that if you know, if you're unfamiliar, what that means. To me, at least, is uh, in terms of the developer experience, you're writing TypeScript code, or you're sitting down, you're writing out your TypeScript. Uh, the classes that you're interacting with are familiar from a Flutter standpoint. It's the same, not quite the same. Uh, it is, you know, 99% the same uh, as Flutter. There's a bunch of stuff missing, to be fair, and that's why I don't recommend Hydro. One of the reasons why I don't recommend it for production use, I don't, I can't make any stability guarantees and. There's quite a lot of uh, missing functionality in terms of what you would expect from from Flutter, just purely in terms of widgets that are, that are missing. Uh, not to mention, you know, if you want to write your own render object with Hydro, you just can't because the render object classes don't exist uh, in Hydro yet. That is, they will soon. Uh, and if you follow any of the in progress branches on GitHub, 
you might see them there, uh, but they are not uh, on the default branch and they're not in a release yet. So this is happening. But anyway, uh, developer experience, right? You're writing TypeScript, you're interacting with an API service that you're familiar with from Flutter. Uh, now, when you, you save those files, there is a uh, build system that is built into Hydro. So that build system is wired up into the Hydrock run command. So if you, you sit down and you run your NPX Hydrock run to spin up your, uh, it will start running your, your Hydro content. That build system will figure out uh, what files you've touched in terms of your TypeScript code, and it will, it will lower those. Uh, into Lua. So I'm, I'm using a fantastic third-party package called TypeScript to Lua. Uh, very descriptive name. <laughs> so that package lets you take TypeScript code and spit out Lua. Now that is as opposed to spitting out JavaScript, which is obviously what you expect. So your TypeScript code is lowered into Lua, uh, and, and that Lua is then bundled. So if anyone is familiar with the dark days before Webpack, if you're familiar with Browserify or Rollup or uh, I mean, Webpack itself, you could say is dark, but anyway, you know, the similar bundle models from, from Browserify or Rollup or anything from the, the older uh, front-end web ecosystem. It's the same idea. So you, you put out your Lua, you bundle it together. Uh, and then finally, there's a compilation step that takes your Lua bundle produced from your TypeScript and it compiles that into bytecode. That bytecode is then packaged and then uh, it is pushed up into your running, your running uh, Flutter app. So uh, you would take, so Hydro SDK also has a Dart portion. So within your, your Flutter app, you would say, you, you would import Hydro SDK and you would say run component. And you would say, this is the project I would like to, to reference. And this is a component I'd like to reference. And, and that's how code in, in Hydro is organized in terms of projects and components. So uh, at, at runtime, this run component widget figures out, first of all, uh, what mode it's running in. So if you're in debug mode, if you're debugging your Flutter app on your on your on your on your computer, uh, it will attempt to talk to the Hydro build system, and it will attempt to talk to uh, some some special uh, systems going on there that will let it reload code. So not quite as powerful as Dart's hot reload. There are a couple of more limitations uh, that that in Dart, but when you're running in debug mode, this run component widget communicates with the build system and it will let you uh, hot reload your TypeScript code. When you're running in release mode, so when you've built your app for release and you're going to deploy it somewhere, uh, all of that hot reload stuff is turned off uh, and all of that service discovery in terms of the development experience is, is turned off as well. I guess I haven't explained how that works at runtime. Yeah, um, I understand about the, the Dart part. It's very clear, but I'm just trying to think about, okay, so you write TypeScript, it gets compiled down to Lua. That means there has to be some type of Lua interpreter that's running yes. on the device, right? Exactly. Okay. So I'm there's a... Uh, mind around all the stuff. There's a lot of pieces, right? Yeah. <laughs> because, and then you're like, and then we even more confused when you're like, okay, it's Dart from, from top top to bottom. Well, wait, 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 slow down. <laughs> <laughs> this, there's a lot of pieces involved. Okay, so... Let me try to reiterate back what I understand and let me know if there's something I'm wrong or, or where I'm missing something. All right, so uh, you're using NPM to deliver and, and Node to deliver like the Lua piece, which helps with like code pushing and things like that. So you, okay, if I got something wrong, you're squinting a bit. Is, is that correct or no? Yeah, that, that's, that, you know, you're like, that's like 90%. Yeah, so, and, and I use NPM to, to kind of bootstrap the whole experience. So, you know, 
Okay. You if you install Hydro SDK with npm and you start to you just start to say like you know Hydrock run, uh, npm is pulls in all all of the dependencies. So Hydro SDK has a set of what I call SDK tools. So that's the Lua compiler. Mm. Uh, that's the okay. uh, the compiler the the compiler that compiles Lua to bytecode. That is the compiler that compiles your TypeScript into Lua and bundles it. Uh, there's some other things there to serve it. So I talked about service discovery from your debug app. There's a mm-hmm. whole bunch of command line tools. And npm figures out all of that. Well, the, what I've written for npm figures out all of that, and it just installs it on your machine. It figures out, you know, you're running Windows 64-bit. Let's pull all the 64-bit Windows stuff and let's figure that out. So that's all kind of like, you don't have to think about it. It just kind of works. So that's from, from npm. Um, I also use npm to distribute source code. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the if you like import, you know, material app and you want to use that in your TypeScript, like that code also comes from NPM. All right. So the tools, okay. But how come you don't just use like, uh, I mean, because Dart has this like activate, right? Where you can activate some kind of package globally. Why can't we, why can't you do something like that? Since you said you're writing a lot of the stuff in Dart now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not quite sold on the distribution model uh, of everything I just described. The, the primary okay. reason is I'd like to be able to version Hydro by project. So NPM has this problem. Flutter has this problem. Basically, every programming language that has a package manager has this problem where um, everything is global. So you have like one global installation of Flutter. You have one global installation of NPM. You have one global installation of blah, blah, blah. So you know, trying to spin up a Flutter project that was that uses like Flutter one on a mm. machine that has Flutter two point ten installed is an exercise in frustration. And there's quite a lot of com- there's you know there's members of the community that try to make this better, like FVM. Uh, likewise, in the NPM ecosystem, there's NVM, right? So there are community solutions to this. But in general, I find that that versioning experience is really painful. So I tried to just not have that problem for Hydro, where you, know, you just use npm. You know, what version do you have installed? Okay, great. Let's install it within your project. So it's not global. Nothing is global. Everything is okay for your project for the version that you've declared that you're using. Got it. Okay. That now I got it. I mean, it kind of reminds me of when like you install or update your your ver- your version of Flutter. Where you say Flutter Doctor and it like pulls all this SDK stuff. I'm guessing it's probably because it's per um, platform, etc. Right. That's what I'm pretty yeah, sure what's going on. I, I was I was inspired by a similar system in Flutter. Yeah, because you know, per per platform, per target. So you know, if you've if you're working on a Flutter project that has never before uh, flipped on Windows support, the first time you do that, you'll see the Flutter tool installing a whole bunch of stuff to make Windows work. Uh, right for your machine, right? So if you're, I mean, it's Windows, so you're on Windows, it'll figure out all the Win- Windows stuff for your machine. Uh, likewise, if you've never turned on web. You know, it'll figure that out for you. So I was inspired by that that idea. All right, all right, I, I I got that part. I think there's a tool called Detective that manages to use maybe something could be similar to you how how you activate it because like you, it somehow you point it to you say I want to install it and then it'll grab like the latest version at the time. But I don't know how useful that is. I'm just thinking about the distribution model if you can keep it more into Dart if that's the way you want to go. The way that one gets installed, I think, could be something you could take a look at if you want to stick with the Dart ecosystem. Yeah, I'm, I'm not again. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where to go with that. Like, I've written. I, I've spent quite a lot of time and quite a lot of energy trying to to make this as le- not as l- 
remove as much pain as possible uh, in the distribution of that like first time setup experience uh, for for Hydro. Um, a lot of it is just kind of a, a nature of some of the design choices. You know, like having having this. I really wanted to separate the offline development experience or the comp- compilation experience and build experience from the runtime experience. Um, and I wanted to make it as performant as possible, you start as quickly as possible. So that's led me to, I use quite a lot of Dart, like most of those SDK tools you pull down are written in Dart. So, you know, they're native mm-hmm. ex- executables. Um, I want to keep the dependencies basically zero. So, you know, Dart's amazing for that. You get a little statically linked executable. So there's no uh, no other dependencies. Um, I, I really want the only dependency to be NPM. Um, obviously, that's not the case today because you also need a, a full Flutter installation to run uh, your app that embeds your your Hydro content. Um, but yeah, in terms of that setup experience, I'd like it to be as small and, and self-contained as possible so that all comes through through NPM. All right. So, and also the way you have to run it is you have to run two different commands, right? You, you have to start up your daughter, your, your start Flutter first and then start up your, there's a Hydrox command, right? Hydrox yep. something, I forgot. Run. Okay. Hydro, okay. Hydrox run. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I was making it more complicated <laughs> than what it was. Yeah, I was just taking a look at it when I was outside and also a few days ago about how everything kind of works. In your defense, mm-hmm. I think there's a tutorial that describes like a gigantic man line where you build and then there's like five yeah. switches. Like I I, expo- I try to expose as much of the like internals as I can. Um, but in the general case, if you don't need like the five command line switches to build, you can just run, run, you know, hydrack run. And the defaults are pretty sane and it, it figures out you know what you what you're trying to do, and it will it'll start running. All right. So, what wasn't super clear for me is how do they connect necessarily? Because I don't see there's got to be something I have to I have to add to both. Okay, Hydro Hydro SDK to also to um, in PubSpec, right? So there's two different ones. There's Hydro SDK from your side, and Hydro SDK over here. Okay, and they match up the tags. NPM install to get that going and also Flutter pub get. You need to make a folder called OTA. Yes. Is that right? And then you add another yes, file yeah. in there in TypeScript. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the convention I'm trying to to push is that you know your mm-hmm. lib is obviously where pub well where you know pub requires your uh, Dart code to live. Uh, so beside that, you know, if you have this OTA folder, that's where Hydro would like your TypeScript to live. So you you, you put all your TypeScript into OTA. Um, you, you would run Hydrock run and it will you know, start up the development experience. Uh, how, to your point about having two terminals and two things running, right now uh, there is no there's no integration further than that in terms of the development experience. Mm-hmm. So you have to start your Flutter app. Uh, you have to import the you have to import Hydro SDK the the Dart side of it. So you have to add it to your pub spec. You have to import it where you'd like to use it. Uh, and there's a run component widget in there. So you would describe where you'd like to put your Hydro content, where you want your TypeScript to appear in your app. So you would say run component and you describe how it's structured. So you'd, you'd have your project name and your component name. Um, and then at, at runtime in your in your Flutter app, um, there's a whole whack of Dart code uh, that is is pulled in by, by run component. So to, to your kind of question there about how does it integrate together. So because everything eventually uh, compiles down into uh, Lua bytecode uh, in your, your Dart app, or in your, in your Flutter app rather, there is a Lua interpreter written in Dart. So uh, at runtime, the, the Dart code that is 
compile down and package, or sorry, the the TypeScript code that's compiled down to Lua and packaged up and shipped off to your to your Flutter app. There's an interpreter that will unpack that code and will will execute it. Um, likewise, there are quite a lot of bindings for Flutter classes as well as for Dart standard library classes. So when you say you know new material app, uh, underneath like one layer of abstraction, maybe two, uh, there's a real material app class from Flutter. And likewise, everything extending below material app is all what you'd expect in, in Flutter. So the, the idea is that the surface area in terms of the execution of your code is very, very thin from, from what's in TypeScript and what's in Lua. Uh, underneath it is the exact same classes, the exact same structure you would, you would expect uh, from Flutter. Because it is Flutter underneath underneath it. Okay, so you're not actually rebuilding everything. You're actually no. there's actually just like a kind of like a thin glue. Okay, so there's nothing yeah. really special about that part. It tries to be as thin as possible. If you uh if you if you if you pull down one of the showcase repositories from the the GitHub organization, if you pull down like the counter app and you open it in VS Code and you you know command click into like you know column for instance, and you open up that TypeScript code for column, you'll find that. Like there's basically nothing there, right? There's like one or two, there's like one line in the constructor and there's like one line for every method. Uh, you know, there's no definitions there. There's no meat to that. And that's because uh, I am not implementing everything, right? When you say new column, you get a column from Flutter. You know, there's, there's that's it. Either it's as thin as possible. It's just, just glue to, to bring that Flutter experience into TypeScript, and then everything else is handed back to Flutter. What's the, um, how, how about the, um, the, the impact on performance, right? Is it, it must be a little bit, but I can imagine maybe not that much. That's the, the idea is for it, it to be as, like I said, as thin as possible. Um, that being said, I can't make any informed statements about performance because I haven't measured uh, that is on the roadmap. So I mean, at least at the time of recording, the README describes the roadmap for 2022. And one of those items is to actually measure these things, measure performance. Uh, I expect there to be an impact, both in terms of memory. Uh, there's going to be a little bit more memory use. And, and likewise, I expect there to be a little bit more CPU use uh, due to the interpreter and due to how the glue, this kind of the glue bindings are implemented. Um, but I expect it to be very minimal. Um, I am very inspired in the design of this binding uh, by other ecosystems. So if you consider, again, to React Native, right, you are orchestrating UI components, but ultimately all the implementation is not done in JavaScript, right? You're not calculating constraints and figuring out, you know, Cartesian coordinates and you know, you're not painting pixels in JavaScript. Right, it is done at a layer below you. Uh, you can consider the DOM in, in a web browser, right? You might you might say you know document create element, and you might insert it somewhere else. But how reflows are triggered, how layouts are triggered, how constraints happen, how cascades happen, how things are painted and animated, like none of that happens in JavaScript, right? There, there's no there's no um, I mean. I'm sure someone will jump on Twitter and tell me I'm wrong shortly, but <laughs> in my mind, there's no, uh, there's no like major UI toolkit with this kind of model where you have a, a ostensibly less performant language 
that um, implements everything from top to bottom. I, I would argue even to some degree, Flutter is the same, right? You're not, you're not, you're not putting shaders together. You're not uh, doing anything of, of that nature in Dart. You, there's still you still have Skia on the bottom doing those things for you. So it's still bottoms out in something like C++ in in my examples there. But the other interesting thing about the C++ part is like they ended up, if I understand correctly, what I remember hearing is that they 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 meaning like the Dart or Flutter team ended up rewriting a lot of things in Dart rather than C++ because of the marshalling between back and forth between C++ and Dart was so was was so costly that they said, okay, we can actually rewrite this in Dart, and Dart just gets compiled to native code anyways. Yeah, like I, it's, I did Dart versus yeah. Rust benchmarks. Yeah, I did Dart versus Rust benchmarks, and like I was surprised that there was sometimes that Dart somehow was actually faster than than Rust, which didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But it does get compiled natively, right? So you can't say too much. Yeah, and I, and I mean to be to be fair too, though you know, compiling to native machine code isn't like a magic performance get out of jail free card, right? You can produce awful, you know, machine code if you you know, aren't careful, and you know the the Dart compiler team has done an incredible job at ensuring that that's not the case for most uh, most users. Uh, I've they I've been lucky enough to file a couple of bugs with the Dart compiler team, and they've always been fantastic at responding to my requests. So they, they'd be really were you the one there. who was saying, "Hey, were you the one who was saying, hey, we, we got it all wrong about how it gets compiled to native?' Was that you? Somebody did that to me recently within the last couple of months." No, I, I've never complained about like an assembly level uh, change. I, I have, I've complained a couple of times about crashes. I've crashed the Dart compiler in a couple of projects in a couple of different ways, and I've filed bugs for those. Um, what else? Oh, I, I I've complained a few times about type flow on Twitter. I think. I think you were like adding me and you're like, hey, this is because we had somebody come on the show to talk about how they had managed to hack the uh, Flutter engine to work on uh, Nerves, which is like this tool for running uh, Elixir and Erlang on embedded devices. And I think it was you or somebody else that was like, hey, uh, because we were talking about why, how does it compile? And I think, some, I think the guy said he thinks it's uh, LLVM. And I think that somebody was saying, no, no, it's not LLVM. Here's the internals. Check this. Read this document. Was that you? I, I remember think? that. Yeah, I think it might have been. I think I commented. Uh, I think I think that was me. Yeah, yeah. It's not LLVM. <laughs> yeah. So I think I lost a link because of my phone. Like I had this weird bug with with Chrome Chrome on uh, iOS, and it lost all of my tabs because it kept crashing. And I had like over a hundred tabs that I wanted to get to at some point. So that's me. I just throw up another tab every time I want to read something and never actually get to it. I do that all the time. My I've Chrome, Chrome on Android. I have like 30 tabs open right now, and I I never go back to read them. I found sometimes Chrome resets my tabs to zero for a couple of days, and then I'll open Chrome, and it has my tabs again. It like forgets and then finds them again. I have no idea why that happens. Yeah, if you could find me that link again, because I think I need to, to read that again. I am quite curious about how it all works because basically LLVM and GCC are the biggest ones that come to my mind where it's like you, 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 you compile it to the bytecode and the bytecode then will get compiled to machine code after that. Most things do that. I know, of course, C and C++ probably don't do that. Or maybe if they do, infuse GCC. Anyways, uh, yeah, I want to get more into to figure out what's going on because it's, it's very interesting stuff to me. Uh, where were we going with this? Actually, do you mind to kind of talk a little bit about uh, Lua? Because I do hear Lua use a lot of stuff, but I still don't understand what it actually is. 
because I think it's used in video games too. And like, I, I like, and then people talk about like it's a scripting language, but it's also like yeah. compilable. So what, what, what the heck is Lua exactly? Is it similar to Dart where you can script it and you can compile it? Uh, Lua is very similar to JavaScript and it's semantics. Um, it's a highly dynamic language. Uh, there's, I would I would compare Lua to like ES3. Um, if you remember you know, the dark days before ES6 and JavaScript, and even before ES5, um, you know Lua is a highly dynamic language. Um, it is very simple in terms of its grammar, in terms of its rules. Uh, that dynamism makes it relatively simple. Um, so the the reference implementation, like the official Lua implementation, is about 10,000 lines of C. Uh, so it's small, it's easy to learn, it's relatively easy to read as you would like like JavaScript. There are a couple of weird things it does that's different from most other languages. Like array indexing is one that always is like a never-ending meme. Like you know, arrays in Lua start at one instead of zero, like the rest of the universe. So it's like a little couple of weird things, but uh, like in general, it, like the semantics are like highly similar to JavaScript. Uh, it's very simple to read, simple to learn. And likewise, the implementation is very simple, like 10,000 lines of C. So it, it is very popular in games as a scripting engine. Um, the simplicity comes with a nice API service. Like from an embedder standpoint, if you want to take the C implementation um, and use it in your game, like doing that is relatively easy. So it, it's found a foothold in gaming. Uh, Roblox fairly famously uh, has their own implementation of Lua where they've added to the language. It's called Luau, I think. I think they open sourced that recently. So it's fairly popular in gaming. Um, I used it. I'm familiar with it from from quite a few years ago. Uh, I've used it in some some small game projects of my own, as well as ended up being taught uh, for part of a course I, I took in, in university. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it's small, it's, it's simple. So I ended up writing a Dart interpreter for the bytecode. I did not write a compiler to that bytecode. Did not do that. That's a huge. That's a much larger task. Tried to avoid that so far. Probably going to have to eventually for Hydro, but I'd like to not do that. Yeah, there's actually quite a few implementations of Lua VM for, for Dart and Flutter, which I'm a little bit surprised about. Yeah, I mean, basically every language has one. Uh, you know, Dart has a Flutter in general has a couple. Uh, a couple seconds on Google, I'm sure you'll find like a Java, like a Lua in Java, Lua in C Sharp. Like, like I said, it's small. It's uh, relatively easy to implement. That's why I still don't understand what so Lua is is a scripting language, but it could be still fast, right? I'm still trying to understand exactly. It seems like it's a language that's easy to implement in other languages. Is that said one way to say it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely a good description of it. Um, for like for my purposes in particular in Hydro, I think Lua was a great choice simply because TypeScript to Lua that compiler project existed. Uh, if that hadn't existed, I probably would not be at this place I am with, with Hydro. Um, I started thinking about Hydro in 2019, this idea of um, just, you know, just, just this idea of separating Flutter from Dart and separating the deployment experience from the traditional experience that you're required uh, in, in Android and iOS. So I, I went through quite a few different iterations. Uh, I knew that I would have to build a layer on top of uh, on top of Flutter, in terms of deployment experience, I knew that would come with a different development experience as well. And I, I wasn't sure what that would look like, so I went through quite a few iterations on 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 Hydro, but the idea has been the same. Uh, so I I made a Lisp uh, interpreter. I had a Lisp interpreter. I wrote wrote in Dart based off a couple of community examples. Uh, I had a 
JavaScript implementation of Hydro, like a pure JavaScript implementation for some time. I had a uh, JavaScript interpreter. I was using duct tape at the time. I was embedding that into a, a Flutter app. Um, I couldn't figure out how to make the duct tape GC and the Dart GC work together. And I was like leaking memory like on every single allocation. It was like a big rat's nest and I ended up giving up on that. Um, I tried for some time with Hummingbird. At the time, Flutter Web was in like early preview and it was called Hummingbird. Um, so I tried a few approaches trying to bridge the gap between Hummingbird and, and, and Flutter Web and then you know, Flutter you know, native, so to speak. But that didn't really go anywhere. Uh, eventually, I, I discovered you know, TypeScript to Lua existed. So that kind of solved the development experience for me. If you can get from TypeScript to Lua, then what's stopping you from getting from Lua or getting Lua into your running app? And what was stopping me at the time was not having a Lua interpreter. So that was, that was the missing piece. And then that's kind of just been, you know, onward ever since. But, you know, that being said, like, there's nothing stopping Hydro from evolving into the future to include other implementations. So, you know, just because TypeScript to Lua exists doesn't mean that that is the only pathway for this entire development experience of using Flutter from other languages. Um, I am cautiously eyeing the developments in WebAssembly particularly WASM GC. Like I'm, I'm not opposed to spending a year or two writing a little WASM interpreter in Dart to, to, to provide the same experience. Um, there's a couple other research projects I've seen in the community that have done like little tiny .NET interpreters in different languages and likewise little JVMs. Like at the end of the day, it's all the same idea. You have this little tiny glue binding exposing some, in this case, Dart APIs and you know how that glue is evaluated or how that glue is implemented is... Yeah, the differences aren't very important and how that happens isn't very important as long as it has a similar footprint. So into the future, implementation other than Lua uh, you know, is definitely something on my radar, but I'm trying not to work on those because they're huge. <laughs> they're large commitments. Yeah, it seems like it. But it seems like there's actually some way that you can write Dart to Lua too. I've seen, seen called... I, I, I believe it. This one. Lua Dardo? Lua Dardo? Have you heard this one? Yeah, my understanding of that, I might be wrong, so I haven't looked at it in a while, but my understanding was that it is also a Lua implementation in Dart. So they have a Lua compiler and a Lua interpreter all written in Dart. Um, in terms of compiling Dart into something else, uh, there's someone in the community building a, uh, a project called Dart Eval. So they are writing a compiler and also a, an interpreter for Dart in Dart. Uh, I think it's a it's a great project. Uh, I've worked in, I've collaborated with him a little bit in terms of bindings, like you know how do you how might you call you know list.map from your interpreter and get the real uh, you know the real list.map from Dart core? How might that work? What does that bridging look like? We've collaborated a little bit on that, uh, but you know writing a Dart compiler is something I'm trying really hard to not do because the language is very complicated. All right, so so you so basically you're shipping up these the Lua files. I mean, you uh, and and then you can you can download this Lua bytecode, and then Lua is going to talk to Dart, pull up the right pieces. Yep. I mean, that seems pretty straightforward at the high level. I'm sure there's a lot of intricacies in all those different layers. Now, um, isn't that dangerous to to do to to pull in code from the outside? I think that's like why like a lot of places like iOS is considering like like Apple's saying. Mm, Code push is okay, but you know, if you're gonna bring a new functionality, you have to really go to the app store. Fixing a bug is okay, but they may close that part off, right? 
So do you feel like this yeah, could be it, something that maybe is wasted effort? Uh, it could be. Absolutely could be. Um, there's nothing stopping any of the distribution, either kind of the gatekeepers of distribution for mobile, you know, whether that be you know, the App Store or Google Play Store. There's nothing stopping these, these organizations from just saying, no, this is banned. Um, that's definitely possible. And, you know, if that's the case, then was it wasted effort on my part? Um, I guess it could be. But that being said, like I said, um, you know, the whole, the idea of Hydro is about lowering barrier to entry. You know, the, the principle is still the same. And likewise, the implementation on the, the language side is, is still, it's the same very, very high level idea. How that happens isn't, it's kind of just details at that point. Uh, so sh- you know, should code push no longer be viable, that's fine because you know I still feel like I bring value in terms of bringing Flutter into other languages and solving that human problem uh, of language background uh, and language familiarity. Okay, but what about this part? If they start trying to say, okay, how do I do this in Flutter? Then they're going to get a lot of stuff written in Dart. How about that issue where everything is kind of out there written in Dart because that's the actual way to do it? This is also a little bit of a problem, right? I think that'd be fantastic. I think that'd be great. Like if, if there's no appetite for what I'm doing, I think that's a great world we live in where Dart is more popular and is used in more spaces than it is now. I think that'd be great. I think, you know, Hydro being obsoleted by Dart's popularity is a win. I think that's great. I don't think that will ever happen for human reasons. Again, like I've been talking about, but in your description, I think that I would welcome that. I just don't think it'll happen. But but that's okay. Let let me put it this way. Um, when all safety came out, a lot of newcomers were really upset, and also some people who are just in it were also upset because everything before that was written with null unsafe or whatever you call it, with the OG version of Dart, right? So yep. all these tutorials basically became obsolete unless you knew what was going on and you could understand. Like you're gonna have this issue where people okay, so you're gonna get people to come on. But they're going to say, well, how can I do this? And they're going to find the answer in Dart. Now, what are you expecting them to do? Are you expecting them to somehow in their mind translate this stuff to, to TypeScript? Or are you hoping that they would use this as a way to say, okay, maybe I should stop working with Hydro and get into Flutter? That's, that's a good question. So documentation, uh, particularly tutorials and you know, past answers and stuff, that's something that I've thought about in the context of Hydro, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. Uh, so there's something I'm trying not to talk about just because it's a gigantic rabbit hole and a lot of, in a, it's a huge rabbit hole, but um, this bridging experience extends like this bridging experience from Flutter, well, Dart into TypeScript. Um, this, this bridging experience is a huge rabbit hole. So part of that experience is documentation. Uh, and it's something I've thought about, but not something I've actioned yet because, you know, to your point, like it's, it's important. Uh, otherwise, you know, newcomers will, will have a dissonance where they're reading examples in Dart and then trying to translate that. You know, that's not a good experience. So that is on my radar, uh, but it is not on the 2022 roadmap. Uh, I mean, I say roadmap. I'm not promising anything because I work on this in my free time. But <laughs> the roadmap is stuff I've thought about to the degree where I'm willing to start to action it. But uh, documentation I've thought about, but I haven't quite gotten there. So how, how, like, how stable or I want to say the word useful, but useful doesn't really make sense in this case. I just want to know, like, is this thing ready for us to use in production or is it just no. simply still kind of like a project? Okay. So it's still yes. up and coming. 
there are a lot of the limitations are well documented and well known, uh, especially around hot reload. There's quite a few edge cases. A lot of it is due to TypeScript, the language, um, as well as how it's lowered, the representation of Lua is lowered into. That's quite a lot of that can be cleaned up from a compiler standpoint rather than a runtime standpoint for, for hot reload. Um, in terms of performance, that's a big unknown. You know, I, I would encourage nobody to use something in production where you don't have a clear understanding of the performance constraints, uh, in particular, the performance envelope that that solution produces for you. Um, so that's an un unknown. Um, and then just simply in terms of the availability, right? If you're going to sit down and you're going to write a Flutter experience, you expect to be able to say, okay, I'm done with widgets now. I would like to go deeper. You know, I have this constraint. I have these requirements that require me to start to write render objects or start to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Hydro doesn't expose any of that to you today. Uh, what you see in the few example applications and the showcase repositories, anything outside of those, you basically can't do. Uh, because what is available to you to use from TypeScript from Flutter is very limited. Um, however, as I alluded to, if you poke through the branches that are in progress on GitHub, you'll see uh, these things are coming. They've been a long time coming, uh, and they will be available. Uh, but I'm not putting any uh, promises about timelines uh, or any, anything to that effect. Uh, but these things are coming. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. And it's good that you let people know, hey, this is not ready for production yet. So so I think this would be, so if you were to, if I were to say what the current state of Hydro SDK is, it's like, it's in the state where you can play and you can get people interested in Flutter, but not where they can say, okay, I'm going to release my app to the app store. It's just like, exactly. no, this is just kind of like a, what do you call that? A bridge or training wheels or something like that? It's uh, It's a very, very strong proof of concept. I think it's uh, a minimum okay. minimum lovable product, if I could say that. So, you know, the development experience that you like from Flutter, you know, the easy setup through NPM, hot reload, familiar APIs, like all of that is there. You know, it, it looks nice, it feels nice, and then you, you try to push the gas a little bit too much, and then it just kind of stops working, <laughs> right? So, you know, it, it works, and it looks nice, okay. and it feels nice, but it's not quite, not quite there, not quite ready for prime time. But again, as I've alluded to, like, um, you know, there's branches in progress that are almost 300 commits ahead of the default. Like, there's a lot of work going on that's not quite uh, in the spotlight to to solve these things and to bring that experience all the way. Um, I try to be very, very public on GitHub. You know, I'm not 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 to say that I'm advertising it, but if you poke through the GitHub issues, you poke through some of the scoping issues uh, and projects that are organized on GitHub. I try to be very open in how I'm kind of performing project management in terms of future work as well as current work. So, um, you know, I'd like to think it's all there. If you poke through GitHub, I'm trying to be as transparent as I can with, with future plans and current progress. So it's all kind of coming together, but it's not quite there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, not sure if it's for me. I really love Dart compared to TypeScript, but I do like the, the ideas and I think it's could open up ways for other things. Um, I'm not too sure what else it could be, but it's better to experiment and see what happens than to, to, to lay still. So it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, yeah. Is there anything you wanted to say before we start to sign off? Yeah. I mean, I would just say, kind of try to echo, you know, it's not ready for production yet, but the, you know, the plans are large and the progress is large as, as I alluded to. So, 
you know, in, in the future, I'd like to see a future where uh, any Dart package, including the Dart Center library, which is a Dart package, it's different than a regular Dart package, but it is a Dart package, um, including Flutter, which is a regular Dart package, and including anything that you might be interested in from pub.dev, I'd like to see all of that available in Hydro SDK. And uh, the infrastructure to make that happen is happening. Um, you know, in terms of the supported languages, TypeScript has been uh, a really good way to try out these ideas. It all just kind of has come together in terms of the tooling and in terms of the available third-party packages to, to get me there. Um, I've been working with some individuals from the .NET community, uh, as well as some individuals from the Hakes community. Uh, Hakes is, I know it's probably a bit, bit more obscure language. It's very popular for, for video games. Uh, there's a couple of other ecosystems I'd like to see Hydro expand into in addition to TypeScript, in addition to looking at web developers. Uh, so again, .NET and Hakes are the two I'm looking at next. Uh, so the, the plans are large. The progress is large. Uh, if you look at the GitHub branches, it's just not quite there yet. So I'd like to see it. Uh, I think it'll evolve a lot in the next, uh, you know, this calendar year, as well as a, a couple of years to come. I think there's a lot more to do. Yeah, I, I, I'll try to keep watching to see what's going on. And also feel free to ping me and maybe come back. And if you have a demo, I think I would like to see that too. Maybe uh, whenever you feel you're ready, just go ahead and make, an, make another schedule. And I think it would be cool to see how it works. Because this kind of stuff, I mean, it, we can get an idea by you describing it, but if we could see it, then that, I think that would give a lot more understanding. I mean, what's cool is that you do on your website, you do have like um, that, that GIF or GIF um, that kind of shows the experience. But yeah, it, you just need to kind of see what's going on and, and actually kind of walk through it and say, this is what's going on. This, this is compiling. This is going to go as a by code. Now it's running. Because it, when you do do your stuff right, you save it, it. And I'm not sure if it runs Commander or you do something else, but it is kicking up something over and it takes quite a bit longer than traditional hot code reload within Dart. But that's because there's a lot of stuff happening, right? Yeah, there's the performance of that I'm not at all happy with. Um, that's something that yeah. is, is to, be, uh, to be done. Very cool. I'm pretty excited to check this out. If, yeah, I'm, I'm, I hope you can come back and kind of show off what it's doing because it could be, yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine bringing on some people who only know TypeScript and maybe don't want to use Dart or are not interested in learning a new language because like you said, yeah, that can be a, a, a hindrance. That is one Absolutely. of the things that people talk about when they compare React Native and Flutter. It's like, okay, I have to learn another language. Well, yes, but language is not complicated. Like you said, it's pretty straightforward. But people will just say, no, no, it's another new language. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Big, like I said, I'm, I'm looking to solve human problems, not technical ones. So, looking to 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 expand Flutter's reach into other ecosystems, people from other backgrounds. Um, big plan, big progress. That, that's that's more or less the the pitch. <laughs> I've been watching this this guy on YouTube who kind of talks at, about like uh, inventions for the home, like in the cooking area. I think, I think his name is Famosa, Dan Famosa, or something like that. His, uh, he, he, he described one, one device is quite funny. It's like, it was pretty bad when he tried to use it. And he said, basically, there was no problem before, but then with this device, now he actually created a new problem. I forget, just kind of remind <laughs> me of that where it's like, everything kind of works very well with Flutter. And then like, you're, you're creating more issues to work on when you're doing this, but at the same time, you're solving another issue. So sorry, this kind of rang into my head about that, that you you have more problems now. Yeah, I mean, this is a very, I think this is a very human experience too. Like as, as you raise the bar, people, whether they do it on purpose or not, will take that for granted and they will forget how terrible it was before you raise the bar and they will, they will just ask for more and more and more. So, you know, consider even our discussion 
at the start of this this recording, we're you, you were talking about uh, hot reload for for shelf applications, you know, for server building server side applications, right? Before Flutter came along and had this gorgeous hot reload experience, you might have never thought to ask for that, right? You know, before Flutter, I mean, I might be, I'm, I'm if you if you if you did small talk, I'm sorry. I know I'm kind of like, I'm not mentioning like a couple of decades of history here, but you know. In the time between Smalltalk and Flutter, I, I feel that you know there's not been a, a fantastic, beautiful hot reload experience. So you, you, they've kind of raised the bar to a high degree. You see other ecosystems like you know I can't quite say for certain if they are reacting to Flutter here, but you know there's been a lot of fanfare around .NET hot reload now. I see all of a sudden, you know, so I feel like to a high degree Flutter has raised that bar. Where now if you don't have hot reload, you know hot reload is table stakes, and I I believe that that is due to to Flutter delivering on that experience. So, you know, .NET, from what I can tell, now that's a requirement or, or an ask. And likewise, you know, yourself, why don't we have this for, you know, server-side applications? You raise the bar and the people want more, and that just goes forever. And I think that's a beautiful problem to have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hotcode Reload, like, I've had the experience for nearly most of my development career where I started with Ruby with Rails, and Rails, as you're developing a Rails app, it does have this, it seems like Hotcode Reload, but it's not just reinterpreting the files, I think, or something like that. Uh, then I switch over to Elixir, and that does actually have hot code reload, and that's built into the language, built into the ecosystem, the way the VM works. And then Dart's got the same thing. So when I wanted to use Dart, well, well Flutter actually, and then when I went to use Dart, I was like, why is it not working on the box? <laughs> and then, but the same thing with, with with actually Elixir is you actually have to have a hot code reloader that actually does look at the file system and does like kick the process off. Oh, these files have changed, so let me recompile them and then kick them over the VM and then up, update it. But at least I, I know about that. If I need to bring something in, which is what it seems like, then okay, I would like that to be documented. So at least I know, right? Where, where, why is it not working? But I feel like I haven't looked very deeply on Dart website, but I don't think it's well documented. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, again, like you said, maybe, maybe the majority of the apps are, are CLI. There are people that are, they don't care about this because it's fast to compile. Anyways, uh, anyways we're, going, we're going off topic again. Uh, I really appreciate your time. It's early in the morning for you. It's good if we don't drain up all your time in the morning for you to get stuff done. So uh, well, it's not early anymore. It's a regular time of the morning now. <laughs> yeah, it's about eight a.m. for you. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, definitely, I think if if we can get a demo going, it'd be awesome for people to take a look at and see if it's interesting to them. Maybe it's a way for them to bring Flutter into their company or team or whatever. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm a, I don't know how long you've been doing this. A long-time listener of Flying High with Flutter. It's really neat to be on, uh, be on it now. So thank you for having me. Um, you know, Hopefully, by the, the next time you'll have me again, I'll have solved some more human problems, made some more progress. I'll give a demo. Yeah, definitely. Just hit me up. and I'm interested to, see it, uh, to show everybody what Hydro SDK is and see if it's, if it's, see if it's for them. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again for coming on.